Salutations, peace and blessings. You are listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am the host of this glorious podcast, The Commission, and I am just coming back from Baltimore. Yes, I was in Maryland for the weekend, and I did manage to see some family and friends out there, and uh, I managed to drive through Baltimore for the game. Of course, you can't get in. You know, what are you going to do? But, you know, I was still there for the festivities for the Monday night game that just finished not too long ago with Kansas City holding it close, but still being victorious against the Ravens. Uh, You know, it's it's the end of week three. And there have been a number of great games to talk about. The problem is I don't have a lot of time to really concentrate on all the games for week three. So what I'm going to do is just concentrate on what I'm going to call the three-point stance that I'm going to make official for the rest of my podcast on Sunday and Monday nights, probably more so Monday nights after the Monday night game. I want to run down all the games or the three games that stand out uh, for the week that we just had Uh, i still want to show some love to all the people out there in maryland preferably in anne arundel county i want to show some love to my family out there that took me in for the weekend while we hung out and talk raven talk Uh, i also want to show some love to the people in uh glenn bernie to help me with my car while i was out there my car had some trouble but i wanted to shout out johnny's car care out there in glenn bernie did a great job on my car managed to get back home wonderful family that owns the shop and i said i will shot them out on the kneel down podcast with that being said the monday night game was a good game Don't get me wrong when I tell you that for what these teams put together to make this game extraordinary, you've got probably the best teams in the AFC going head to head against each other. And with the Ravens having the number one defense in the league, it really sets the precedent of where this epic battle will be for years to come, given that we have uh, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar uh, Mar Jackson there holding down both offenses. But the wonderful thing, magnificent thing when you talk about these quarterbacks is the elusiveness that they present on offense. I don't think you can knock Patrick Mahomes without knocking Lamar Jackson, without knocking Russell Wilson, uh, without knocking Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers when he's playing on a good day. These quarterbacks are highly elusive, creative quarterbacks. And in this league, in order to win games and be successful, you have to have a quarterback that's elusive, creative, intelligent, and dare I say, a sense of cockiness. Some people may say swag. But these quarterbacks, uh, when they go out there and produce, a lot of it stems from the creativity of the offense. And if anybody saw the Green Bay New Orleans game Sunday night, we had two quarterbacks that know how to be creative. Although we don't have that elusiveness from Drew Brees like we once did before. It's still the fact that for what you gather from these quarterbacks, in order for you to win these games, in order for you to be successful and move on to what could be the playoffs, they have to be creative 
They have to be elusive and they have to be cocky. Now, we can think of a number of quarterbacks that pretty much fit that bill right now. But with those uh, with those styles, with those characteristics that come with quarterbacks, there's one thing that overshadows it all, and that's coaching. We can't go anywhere without having a coach that knows the X's and O's and knows the details of what these quarterbacks can do. So when you watch Aaron Rodgers play a game against New Orleans and New Orleans has a defense that is fairly good, especially at home. But Aaron Rodgers finds a way to show his elusiveness, to show his creativity, to pick apart a defense of which it led this team, the Green Bay team, to a victory late. In the game they managed the clock well of course their defense helped a lot they got two sacks on drew Brees. but for what aaron Rodgers did to put points on the board this is what i'm talking about when you're talking about a team like green bay that's three and oh you're looking at a team like the kansas city chiefs that's going to be three and oh or, or is three and oh and you, you look at how this team every week has some level of creativity to their style of play and it's hard for teams even like a defense for baltimore to be able to shut down neutralize that offense and there's so many talented players there's so many weapons patrick mahomes can be there and as long as that offensive line is blocking let me just bring that up too offensive line plays a huge role as well offensive line has to make sure that no one touches their premier quarterback and for Patrick Mahomes and the line that he has, this man, you, you hardly see this man sacked. He may, he may have a few rushes. They may get to him every now and then and be able to tackle him. But it's hard to sack a Patrick Mahomes. It's almost as hard to sack an Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, a Lamar Jackson, because they have ways of being elusive when the play is not there. When the play is not there, what's the next thing to do? You got to run out the pocket. You got to make plays. You got to make the, the the defense commit to the pass or perhaps to the run when they're scrambling out the pocket. So this is the recipe moving forward for teams to be able to advance into the playoffs and how they play during the regular season naturally makes all the difference in the world and where they're placed in the division. Of course, I've made mention before about how effective the Baltimore Ravens is in a division that's probably one of the toughest divisions in the league right now behind the NFC West. And, you know, you, you looked at what the Ravens have been doing to this point, and you look at what Pittsburgh continues to do. They're 3-0. and And you look at what Cleveland's now doing, which is, oh my goodness, it may not be the shock of the year, but we're talking about a team that's above 500 for the first time in decades. This team hasn't been over 500 in a long time. And be it two and one, they have a recipe that may work for that team moving forward. 
We know what happened week one against Baltimore. And we know what happened when playing Cincinnati. But they're playing teams that they feel confident about winning. Baker Mayfield is also an elusive quarterback. He can be as creative when he's hot and when he's confident. And those are all recipes for disaster if you're the defense trying to find ways to neutralize these quarterbacks. But this is what makes the NFL so spectacular, is that it's no longer the quarterback of old of sitting in the pocket, throwing the ball 40, 50 times to try to win a game. And you look at what Tom Brady's done over the years and his style of play and how he was able to sit in the pocket and throw the ball for 20 years and and and, and just make completion after completion. I think at some point the defense finds ways to get to the quarterback while they're in the pocket. These linebackers are as fast as running backs, okay? And then you've got secondaries that read the quarterbacks extremely well so now if you're the pocket quarterback you have to be creative and you if you lack that creation if you lack that creativity then you don't stand a chance to win case in point for what i saw from Dwayne haskins i understand he's a young brother that's just come into the league a few years ago but the Cleveland Brown defense may not be the best defense in the league yet, but they found ways of how to read this man while in the pocket, while he tried to commit passes, and it was ineffective for that Washington offense that had a decimated offensive line and didn't allow Dwayne Haskins time to pass. How can any team, never mind Washington's team, be successful if you don't allow your quarterback the time to pass. And yes, it does come with having a very poor offensive line. It probably comes with not having a solid running game. But herein lies the rub. When you have elusive quarterbacks, when you have creative quarterbacks, when you have cocky confidence with that swag type of quarterback, you can be successful. You can win. You stand a greater chance to win. It confuses the defense. It forces them to decide if they want to go man, to go zone, coverage, what have you. It does a number to defenses that allows his team to, to win. It's what, you saw, it's what you see with the Chiefs. It's what you've seen with a lot of other teams. I mentioned Green Bay. If you look at what Seattle's done for what's probably been the last 10 games going into last season, they do the same thing. Russell Wilson, you just can't catch this man. He is elusive, he is creative, and he finds ways to win. And he did so against a Dallas team that came very close again to winning. Given the fact that Dak Prescott threw for almost 500 yards last night, but these are all the recipes moving forward into to the 2020 season, into seasons to beyond, whatever the case may be, if you want to win a game. And if there's any silver lining in this story, it's the fact that with Lamar Jackson and this Ravens team, for what they can produce, they're on their way, as long as they're not playing Kansas City. Not a knock on Baltimore. But I like the I like the direction that Baltimore is going in. That's going to be the team in the future moving forward, along with, of course, a Patrick Mahomes team. That's a complete replica of what they do on offense. 
It's just the fact that they have more talented guys on offense with that team in Kansas City. So says the commission. I want to get into my week three remix is what I, I like to just go over a lot of what the games were for the week that was in this case for week three. And I want to I want to exemplify this week by just concentrating on just three teams, thus the term the three point stance, uh, three teams that caught my eye, three games, relatively speaking, that caught my eye. Uh, one that stands out was the Chicago Atlanta game. Now, I, I think those that watched that game or heard of that game knows where I'm going with this. But you have a Chicago team that's losing against an Atlanta team that's winning at home. Have we heard this story before? And this team is up by a surmountable lead. And it, it, you have this Falcons offense that has, of course, moved the ball to score. And so now you're ahead into the fourth quarter where the Bears are trying to come back and win the game. So what did they do? They bench Trubisky and bring in good old Nick Foles. Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP against the Patriots a few years ago. Nick Foles from Philadelphia, the quarterback they should have kept and paid the money comes in for Chicago, throws for 188 yards and three touchdowns. What's the moral of this story? The moral of the story is this. Atlanta cannot solidify a win. They can't put together a defense to structure a win when they have a, a sizable lead and you've got quarterbacks that can just find a way to pick apart this Atlanta defense to win games. And a person like Nick Foles might have been the farthest person in the back of your mind to go out there and solidify a win, but he did. And he knows how to win, which is the reason why I can't figure out for the life of me why Philly got rid of him. But I, I also understand that with Nick Foles, Nick Foles came in during the Andy Reid regime. So I think if there's a way to kind of cut ties and clean out that locker room of all Andy Reid stuff, it probably included Nick Foles. But Nick Foles, if given the opportunity to win, can find a way to win with great coaching, with a great offensive line, and with a fairly decent running game that gives him time to pass. He's more of the pocket passing quarterback. Yes, he is. But for what for what Chicago needs to be successful, which is proven now with them being 3-0, they have to allow these quarterbacks the opportunity to create plays to allow them to win. And that was, that's exactly what Nick Foles did Sunday afternoon against an Atlanta team that, if you ask me, needs to change that coaching staff now. That's not to say they'll do it tonight, but I have to believe sometime during the week, Arthur Blank has to make the decision of if he needs to keep that coach and Dan Quinn intact or find ways to motivate this team to keep the win, keep winning, but then solidify the win and make sure they start winning. They're 0-3. And after blowing games against Dallas and blowing a game against Chicago, what more can you do to get these people motivated? What more can you do to get this team ready to play? Where's the breakdown in this? 
you have to believe is the coaching staff. Tennessee and Minnesota. Tennessee put up 31 points. Minnesota put up 30 points. I don't know if anybody's starting to see this theme. Chicago puts up 30 points. Atlanta puts up 26 points. But what I'm getting at is, if you're putting up 30-something points, if you're putting up 30-plus points, chances are you're going to win. Depending on what happens in any type of breakdown between what the defense does or what the offense fails to do at some point. But if the offense is clicking on all cylinders when it's necessary, what you get is something that we saw with Tennessee against Minnesota. And Minnesota had every opportunity to win that game. They had Dalvin Cook at 181 yards rushing and one touchdown. And he had their rookie, Jefferson, with seven receptions, 175 yards, and a touchdown. They were productive. This team was winning. This team was moving the ball. So then the question becomes, how did they lose that game? How could they possibly lose a game that they should have won? And then you look at what Tennessee does. And I want to show love to Tennessee because Tennessee took a chance by signing Derrick Henry to a long extension of four years, $50 million, $25 million being guaranteed. And they made it clear that we can't win games. We can't go to the playoffs without having Derrick Henry right there running the ball for us. People call him the bell cow. I just call him one of the best running backs right now in the league. Ran for 119 yards, two touchdowns. The man knows football. He knows how to play football. Hard nose running, strong, physical man. You cannot bring him down in just one blow. You got to really wrap him up, and it may take two or more guys to bring him down. He will drag you to the end zone. They have a running game that if Tannehill is not on point passing the game, passing the ball, you've got Derrick Henry there to run the ball. Very effective against that Minnesota D that looks like crap. I don't understand it. I really thought in my mind that Minnesota's D would improve with this season and they've allowed so many points on them 31 against Tennessee uh, I believe it was 28 last week with Indianapolis and I, I, I if I'm correct Aaron Rodgers put up 43 points against them in the first game of the season too many points there's too many points being allowed on on this Minnesota defense to allow them to win games so it's clear that they have to do something on defense to make themselves effective. But right now they're 0-3 and they're looking up in the division with Chicago being 3-0, Green Bay being 3-0. Then, of course, Detroit decides to win at 1-2. We've got to find a way to win these games. And that's really what it comes down to is how are we going to find a way to win these games? Last game I want to concentrate on is Green Bay and New Orleans. I mentioned this earlier about how this game was more so about how effective Aaron Rodgers was in his time, prime time against New Orleans. And I don't think there's any other way to word this. 
But Aaron Rodgers is playing with extreme prejudice. He is playing like a man on a mission to make to make it clear, abundantly clear, crystal clear that he is the only quarterback in Green Bay that matters right now. It's not to take away from what they want to see in Justice uh, Jordan Love. It's the fact that with Aaron Rodgers and the production of this team and how they've progressed from year to year fall solely on the hands and shoulders of this man, number 12. Had an outstanding game against a defense that plays fairly well at home with New Orleans. Put up 283 yards passing with three touchdowns. Awesome game. I mean, I, I was, I, I couldn't leave my seat considering how it was a back and forth game between these two quarterbacks. Breeze had a good game himself with 288 yards passing, three touchdowns. But you see where Green Bay is now, and you see what Aaron Rodgers needs to do to make it perfectly clear to everybody out there that I could still play this game. You could bring anybody you want into this organization. If you feel as though these guys can beat me out, so be it. But they have to prove just how good they are against one of the best quarterbacks in the league with Aaron Rodgers. And he made that clear last night against New Orleans. It's not a knock on what the Saints defense couldn't do. It's the fact that Aaron Rodgers has a play. And he has this, this idea in his mind, this instinctive idea of going out there and playing his style of game because it works. It's worked before. We can't control the wins and losses anymore that we can control what Aaron Rodgers does in that pocket. Sometimes it's not up to Aaron Rodgers to, to win this game. Sometimes it's up to the defense to do something. But for what we got last night from Aaron Rodgers, it was spectacular. And I got to feel as though moving forward, there will be no question as to who we have at quarterback from this point on, be it the next season, next few seasons, there they, there they decide to franchise tag him. We know what we have with Aaron Rodgers, and he makes it clear every game leading up to where we are right now with 3-0 in the division. So says the commish, wonderful games great games i'm always giddy when it comes to football the commish can't stop talking about it but i realize that my time has to be divided upon what i want to talk about the most and so i want to get into game balls for week three i do game balls for the players as most people would probably do in their shows um i have my own uh part of the show where I'm doing game balls for week three and I want to start by with the, you know showing some love to the quarterbacks now mind you there was a lot of quarterbacks that had a great game outside of if they won or lost had an extraordinary game even with Patrick Holmes tonight he this man threw four touchdowns ran a touchdown man is sensational sensational but for where I'm going for week three, he definitely deserves a game ball. Being Patrick Mahomes, throwing for 380 yards. But 
I think we expect that from Patrick Mahomes. So I, I'm not going to necessarily give him the nod for a game ball this week, even though they went up against one of the best defenses in Baltimore. I want to give a game ball again to Russell Wilson. Why? Because Russell Wilson proves to the world that even though we don't have the best running game, we may not have the best defense in the world, but I can find a way to win if I will myself to get this offense to believe how they can be extraordinary in games like this when you're playing against a New England Patriots team at home and you're playing against a Dallas Cowboy team at home that come close to winning, we can make it happen. And of course, the score in that game was what, 38 to 31. If you're putting up 30 plus points, there's a great chance you're winning that game. But for where the Seahawks were going into the fourth quarter, into the last play of the game, Russell Wilson found a way to win for that team. Had 315 yards passing with another five touchdown productive game sensationally talking about Russell Wilson. This man has 14 touchdowns in three games right now with just one interception. If he's not MVP this season, there is a problem in the NFL, a true problem in the NFL. I usually give game balls to the players that won their games. And I know there were some other players like Tom Brady that had a great game nearly 300 yards passing, I believe two touchdowns, three touchdowns, I should say. But the one quarterback that stood out in my mind that definitely should get a game ball this evening is Matthew Stafford from Detroit. This team was not favored to win against Arizona at Arizona. And there was another that was another team that played from behind to win. He threw for 270 yards and two touchdowns, no INTs from what I gathered. And he helped win against an undefeated Arizona team in Arizona. Now, on any given Sunday, anybody has the opportunity to win. And given what Matt Stafford had when he played against Chicago week one, that was a game they should have won. But it's, it's a lot for a team to get so close and just lose a game where it pretty much depletes the the euphoria of winning in that locker room. And if there's no wins and you can't find a way to win before long, the enthusiasm to just succeed dies. And before long, if you're a team that's 0-3, like a number of teams are, or if you might have started 1-0 and and then lost the last two games, you've become a shell of yourself because you're trying to figure out, well, what more do I need to do to win? But for Detroit and what they did against a team that's red hot right now in Arizona, they managed to find a way to win. So with that being said, Matt Stafford, Matthew Stafford from Detroit gets a game ball. Moving on to the running backs, Derrick Henry. I've mentioned Derrick Henry earlier. Derrick Henry from the Tennessee Titans, 119 yards, two touchdowns in a game they had to win against Minnesota to stay undefeated at 3-0. Of course, it helped that your kicker, Steve Gostowski, kicks six field goals to help win that game, including the game winner. But, you know, when it comes down to it all, it's about what you do to win to solidify the win. And that's exactly what the Tennessee Titans did with Derrick Henry running for over 100 yards. Nick Chubb, 
my man Nick Chubb. I gave him a game ball last week. He gets another one this week in a wonderful, superb game against Washington's football team, running for 108 yards and two touchdowns. Now, what's more exciting about this is that Nick Chubb has four touchdowns on the season thus far, tied for first in the league. First time a running back from the Cleveland Browns has had four touchdowns since Jim Brown in the 60s. You got to give a game ball to this man for something like that. Running back, excuse me, wide receivers. Tyler Lockett from the Seattle Seahawks had three touchdowns, 100 yards, three touchdowns that went against Dallas. Extraordinary game for that brother, Tyler Lockett. And I want to show some love to another receiver that probably doesn't get the recognition and due to the fact that the team that he plays on is not a very flamboyant team. But Allen Robinson gets a game ball for the Chicago Bears, 10 receptions, 123 yards and a touchdown against a sorry, horrible Atlanta Falcons defense and team. That is your week three stats and your game balls for week three. Sometimes I get to a point where I can't find anything else to say because it's just so exciting when you're talking about NFL football. And for week three, it's been a very outstanding weekend of football. And I'm sure week four, when it kicks off on Thursday, will be the start of another week when you see the Broncos and the Jets play. I will be back again to talk more about week four in detail on Thursday night. I hope everybody has a great week. This is the Kneel Down Podcast. I am the Commish. Peace and love to all those out there. I am out. Oh, thank you.